halfway through the year, today's the 181st out of a scheduled 365. So yes, we're technically 49.5% of the way through 2022, though the fiscal calendar resets as the clock strikes midnight tonight. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that has sought to keep track of these things for nearly two years. Thanks to readers and listeners for helping keep the beads of the abacus in motion. On today's program, Albemarle's Board of Supervisors hires Stanton's former city manager as the new Albemarle County attorney. An update on a federal lawsuit to force a House of Delegates race this fall. Charlottesville City Council is briefed on the property it owns inside and outside of city limits and learns there has not been one central location to keep track of it all. And Council ponders giving up a paper street and denies giving up a small sliver of land in North Downtown. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Summer Reading Challenge put forth by the Jefferson Madison Regional Library continues. You and members of your family can earn points for prizes in a variety of ways, such as reading for 30 minutes a day, reading with a friend, creating something yourself, or visiting the library. You can also get two points just by telling someone about the Summer Reading Challenge. So I guess I just added two more. Visit jmrl.org to learn more about this all-ages opportunity to dive into oceans of possibilities. There are 131 days until the general election, and a new lawsuit to force a Virginia House of Delegates race this year is still alive. Richmond resident Jeffrey Thomas Jr. filed a suit against the Board of Elections in the Eastern District of Virginia earlier this month that picked up a dismissed complaint that the legislative boundaries in place for the 2021 race were unconstitutional. As I reported earlier this month, Judge David Novak had set up a schedule for how information related to the case was to be filed. That schedule has not quite been followed. Thomas filed an amended complaint on June 16th that added two additional plaintiffs from two other legislative districts, one of whom is the former president of the Loudoun County NAACP. Both are appearing pro se, or without a lawyer. The motion also added the Department of Elections back as a defendant. Plaintiffs and all other voters and residents in House District 71, House District 32, and House District 10 have had their voting strength and political representation unconstitutionally diluted or weakened by the failure of defendants to conduct, enact, or oversee decennial constitutional reapportionment, redistricting, or elections. The state responded in a motion objecting to the addition of the new plaintiffs and sought a new schedule. Judge Novak responded by granting an extension to July 1st for the defendants to file a motion to dismiss the case. A joint stipulation of facts was filed on June 24th, but the next day, Thomas filed a motion requesting sanctions against the state for not agreeing to 47 facts that were in previous stipulations. Many of these relate to the population imbalances across the old districts, with the most populated being at 130,192 residents and the least having 67,404 people. The plaintiffs allege that this is a violation of the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. Novak denied the plaintiff's motion on Tuesday, and we will wait to see if a motion to dismiss is filed by tomorrow. 
After a months-long search, the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors has hired the former city manager of Stanton as its next county attorney. Stephen Rosenberg will start work on July 27th. Here's Supervisor Ned Galloway, who headed up the search on the board. The board has taken a lot of time to find somebody that not just possesses the skills uh, and the abilities that we seek in a county attorney, but also is the person that joins our organization uh, at the right point in the progression that we are attempting to achieve as an organization. Rosenberg became Stanton's deputy city manager in May of 2013 and was promoted to the top job in July of 2019. He left the position in January of 22, according to his LinkedIn profile. Prior to that, he was Associate General Counsel of the University of Virginia for five and a half years. He was also Augusta County Attorney from May 2003 to December 2007. Rosenberg did not make comments at the end of a closed meeting yesterday, but was quoted in a news release saying that during his two decades as a neighbor of Albemarle County, he's familiar with the county and its quality of life and the strength of its organization. He defined that as one committed to excellence and a culture of service. He will start work, as I said, on July 27th. Today is the last day to swim at Mint Springs near Crozet this summer. Albemarle County has announced the outdoor swimming area will be closed for the rest of the season, but the beaches at Chris Green Lake and Walnut Creek will remain open Thursday through Sunday from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Those two places will also be open on July 4th. The reason is a lack of staff, according to Albemarle County's Director of Communications and Public Engagement. Charlottesville continues to operate only one outdoor pool a day to combat their shortage of lifeguards. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on about 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation core project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. One big, long segment that's really three segments, but it's all about the same thing, city-owned property. The city of Charlottesville owns 170 pieces of property and another 18 in conjunction with Albemarle County. Does it need all of that land and space? That was one of the undercurrents of a discussion and briefing council had at a work session on June 21st. Brenda Kelly is the city's redevelopment manager, and she's based in the new Office of Community Solutions. The approximate acreage of city-owned properties within the city, 789 acres, and over 2,800 acres of city-owned properties located in the county. Kelly said at the outset what would not be in her presentation. This discussion will not include a discussion on streets, alleys, paper streets and paper alleys, which are basically unimproved streets and alleys. More on one of those paper streets later in this edition. 
City-owned properties include the fire stations, city hall, the schools, parks, and other properties. Lesser-known properties include an L-shaped half-acre parking lot on West Main Street that leads to the half-acre Star Hill Park and a quarter-acre parking lot on Estes Street in the Fifeville neighborhood. In 2019, the city purchased just over an acre of land adjacent to Jordan Park in the Belmont neighborhood for $270,000. And the previous property owners had already platted these six lots. So this is another city-owned property that, you know, at some point we probably need to look at the possible development of affordable housing. That's one of the discussions we had early on when the city first approved the um, approval of the purchase of this property. In the county, the city of Charlottesville owns 67.56 acres on Avon Street Extended, with some of that property being used by Charlottesville Area Transit. The city also owns over 1,000 acres at the Sugar Hollow Reservoir, and 10 acres at the Albemarle Lake subdivision, both purchased originally for water supply. All of this takes management. We do have some challenges when we talk about city-owned properties. Um, we need to develop a better consistent uh, process uh, when we have requests to dispose of the properties or acquire the properties. Um, maintaining these properties, are there departments uh, currently maintaining these properties. Um, we think a lot of them aren't being maintained. And are any of these properties developable? As with city leases, no one has been coordinating all of the information over the years. Now, council has a chance to act on policies for what to do next. And there's a lot of properties that are adjacent to right-of-ways. And, you know, is that something the city council wants to look at? Do we want to you know, approach adjacent property owners and see if there's an interest in putting those on the tax rolls. Kelly said staff will come back to council with another summary of city agreements not tied with leases that may not be coordinated in one central office. Here's interim city manager Michael C. Rogers. We have now the information we need to start addressing the, the concept even of consistent policies and a consistent point person to, to uh, work all of this out. So we will be coming back to you. Rogers said there is an opportunity to determine what it would like to do going forward. City Councilor Michael Payne said he wanted to know if this might help resume discussions of creating a city-owned land bank to acquire property for public purposes. We're landlocked 10 and a half square miles. Our single most valuable asset is the land we own. And I think land acquisition in particular is the single most important action the city can take, both for economic development and affordable housing. Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders said there could be a future conversation about a land bank ordinance, but the research is meant to get council to a point where they would have enough useful information. This all is a centralizing effort at this moment so that we can get our arms around what we have. But really, it's this conversation that is going to feed us on what next steps we want to take. Later on in the meeting, council had several items related to land use. One of them was a request from the owners of a lot on 6th Street Southwest in Fifeville for the city to convey to them a strip of property. Here's Lisa Robertson, the city attorney. And this property is a platted 20-foot uh, right-of-way that is labeled Oak Street. That section of Oak Street has never been built, and it's what's known as a paper street. Council closed a 77-foot section of that same paper street in 2010, between 6 and 6.5 and streets. 
In that case, one half of that former city property each went to straddling property owners. No one initially spoke at the public hearing, but city councillor Sina McGill thought she and her colleagues should put a pause on the conveyance. Until we figure out holistically what we're going to do with the paper streets, the piecemealing of people who know to be able to come to city council or to come to get the street closed, I don't feel it's a fair overall process. McGill said until the process is more clear, she would like council to stop granting them until there is a policy. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade said he's handled many paper streets when he was a planner. He said he was okay with deciding them on a case-by-case basis because every property may have unique conditions. I think it may be hard to come up with an overall city policy because each one might be different. The two property owners did want to speak at the public hearing, but had not been recognized, but later did have the chance to have their say. Here's Vignesh Kupasami. Currently, the actual alley isn't in great condition. There's a tree that fell over in a recent storm that's dead and kind of rotting there. So we were also thinking that if we were to do this um, and be granted uh, the land together with the owners of 313, we could kind of clean the area up and um, make it look nicer. Wade supported the idea of developing a policy, but said he would feel comfortable granting this conveyance. So did councillors Brian Pinkston and Michael Payne. I'll be honest, I haven't thought about it too much, but my initial reaction is that that shouldn't necessarily hold us up from doing some on a case-by-case basis as they come to us. The matter will come up for a second reading at Council's next meeting on July 18th. In a similar matter, Council denied a request from a landowner to be given a 0.02-acre vacant lot at the corner of East Jefferson Street and 9th Street for free. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said there are two chestnut trees on the property. The, the trees are huge and they're beautiful and they're, they're, they are worth more to the city, I suspect, than they would be to the neighbor. My own feeling about it is that, that we basically should not be in the habit of giving away real estate, particularly if, we're, if it's on a, a road that we may decide we want to have uh, a bike lane or a wider sidewalk. The property is within the jurisdiction of the East High Streetscape project. The owner of the adjacent property, Thomas Guerin, said that those trees are infested with ivy, and he said the city is not equipped to take care of the maintenance. He said he could take better care of the property. I have worked with the city arborist's office to have them come out and perform maintenance as the time I made the request. It had been a couple months and they hadn't come. Um, They did come, uh, I believe, in February to do some maintenance, but... They, I spoke with them about um, doing the things it would take to really make those trees healthy and thriving, and they said, you know, we're just here to get the branches away from the street. Guerin said he would be paying property taxes if he owned the land, and that he would grant an easement for any future transportation projects. Councillor McGill said she would prefer the city to retain ownership. One of the most expensive things about doing sidewalks and doing everything else is, is getting the right-of-ways. Yeah. And by giving up land that we have the right-of-way to, we limit ourselves and co- potentially cost us significantly more in the future. Yeah. Snook said he felt there could be a negotiation with Garen to work out a deal. I'm certainly not prepared to say yes, but I'm also not prepared to say no, never. However, council voted 4-1 to one on a motion to deny the request with Wade dissenting. 
And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And there's no dissent about that because it's over and it's ready to get on to the next one. Not sure when that's going to be. More on that in a moment. I do want to say thank you for everybody who has supported every uh, everything that's happened so far this year. The end of the fiscal year is upon us, and I'm going to figure out some way to celebrate that today. Uh, I don't know what that is. I don't even think most people know what a fiscal year that, that it ends. But all sorts of new things start tomorrow in Virginia law, and of course, every single day is a new one. And um, the whole point of doing this particular program is to let you know what's happening. Even though some of the decisions that I write about might have been 10 days ago, I try to get to things as fast as I can. Thank you for everybody who's helping to support to make that work. As you know, Ting will match your initial contribution should you subscribe through Substack. There's also Patreon, which supports the Greater Town Crier Productions. And this is usually what happens on a Thursday. I now look ahead to the to the next few things I need to do. There is plenty of material I still want to get to, so I'm hoping there might be another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement that comes out tomorrow, the first of the new fiscal year. But um, there's a possibility that that might wait because this actually is a good week for me to take a slow approach to doing this program. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out because there is information and you are paying me to produce it. So that's really what I want to do. There will be a week ahead and a government glance. Those will likely come out on Monday rather than Sunday. So I can take a couple of days off and hang out with my parents in wherever they live. Um, it is time to end this program. As I said, thank you very much for listening and uh, stay safe out there. Stay cool, stay informed and tell, and tell someone about this program so we can continue to make sure it's here uh, at this time next year when we'll be celebrating the onslaught of fiscal year 24. Signing out from fiscal year 22 to all acquaintance be forgot and all the rest, I don't know. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>